We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Sarah Michelle stand together an academic pop culture symposium so true smart people dumb topics we're the professors of pop culture i'm caitlin bitsagai i'm lauren brickman and i'm coming to you straight after a day of non-stop faculty meetings nice nice any highlights (laughs) um you know once again i you know i just Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to say this to any of my current students that are listening to this. If you found this, guys, can you explain to me why you don't want to go to class? Like why you just <laughs> don't want to go to class? I just, you know, improv class and movement and dance. These are fun classes. Why are we not going? I don't know. That's what we talked a lot about today. It was just people don't want to go to class. Can't even get them to go to improv. Can't even get them. I had to have a meeting with a student because they were failing improv. And I was like, my guy, <laughs> you need to tell them. You know, back in my day at UCB, it was hard to get in an improv class, okay? We'd be lucky Mm -hmm. to show up. I've told them the stories about how I I walked six (laughs) miles in the snow just to get on a list to maybe get in a class. They don't believe me. They don't care. Uh, Gen Z, you know? They're smarter than us in a lot of ways. (laughs) Oh, a lot of ways. Uh, And and one is that Mm -hmm. they know a lot about standing. Mm -hmm, Lauren, mm -hmm. would you like to tell us about standing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, To be a stand is to be an obsessive fan of something. Um a person, a relationship, a property. I'm, I'm just going to jump right in and bring back a topic that was so big. We did two episodes on it just a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Right. But I haven't been able to stop thinking about Gilmore Girls since our Gilmore Girls episode with friend of the pod, Chris Lewis. And I've been absolutely delighted that on this most recent season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a Amy Sherman, Danny Palladino joint... <laughs> All hyphenated. All mm-hmm, hyphenated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've had so many Gilmore Girls stunt casting. Oh, nice. My queen, Kelly Bishop, is there. The guy who played Jason Digger is on it. The guy who played Max is on it. We even had a Milo cameo in this most recent episode. Like, we're really, wow. we're going for it. It feels wow. like it's slowly becoming Gilmore Girls fan fiction. And that is all I ever really want. Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm standing. I'm mostly standing Kelly Bishop as an angry matchmaker, though. It is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Well, Where's her dirty, spinoff? Dirty Dancing's Kelly Bishop. Give me the Kelly Bishop spinoff always and forever. Yeah. You're also standing a badass lady this week, though. Yeah. You know, I recently watched, and this is strange, mm-hmm. both versions of Death on the Nile. Uh, oh, wow. But the 1978 version features someone that I, I've always loved, but I, I just... I, her body of work is remarkable. I'm talking about Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm, I, I've realized... You know, we're, we're probably coming, you know, towards the end of Maggie Smith's career. We're going to say more is behind than ahead. Mm. Let's hope not, but I think I'm right. And she's going to land this plane with only <laughs> flawless performances. Like, she, we're, we're like watching her pitch a no-hitter of being good at acting. And like, mm-hmm. I, she just has to, I mean, she really has to nail this, this Downton sequel she's got coming up. There's just a few things that are all easy for her to do. Yeah. 
she just never misses. And as someone that I, I was introduced to as Mother Superior in the mm-hmm. Sister Act films, yeah. I thought that's where she was discovered, you know, for yeah. all I know. Didn't know there was more about, b- behind her. Wait, did but you? Even if she'd just done those. Did you, when did you find out that she had done more than Sister Act? Like, how recently was this? <laughs> it was not just last week. Are you sure? I mean, you know that I, I watch both those movies every day. So that's <laughs> four and a half hours of my day. So yeah. You wake uh, up really early to do that, though. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I feel like I didn't know how much she'd done before, probably until somewhat recently. But, you know, she was casting things throughout my life. She's uh, tremendously successful. Oh, I, I know how successful she is. I, I was just curious when you tapped into it. It, it wasn't it wasn't like super recently, but I, I did see last year uh, California Sweet, which was she won the Oscar for. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah. So congratulations to Maggie Smith. She's been waiting on my opinion. And <laughs> here it is. You're great. <laughs> we always have the hottest takes and timely <laughs> <laughs> though i'm so mad in the first death on the nile she plays an assistant mm-hmm. to an old woman yeah we're rebooting it what should we do there we should make her the old woman but they went a different way well maybe she just said no <laughs> she's got to be picky yeah who's the time you know what though you know who else is <laughs> a, a, a damn delight and an absolute always crushing it in the game <laughs> I think you mean today's guest. I you do. Are correct. I do. Welcome, the flawless Alexis Pereira. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> Let me just say, I, it's such an honor to be here. I'm such a fan of your podcast. And uh, if there were two white women who wouldn't <laughs> call out Serena and Venus Williams uh, from the stage, I would definitely say it's you two. And you know, I respect you for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I, we might have to use that soundbite in commercials on other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Alexis, we we have a topic so so big today, and and just so excited. We're we're talking Saturday Night Live today. My gosh, I'm aware of that show. Yeah, well, believe it or yeah. not. Same. I the only reason I'm aware that it's still on the air is because I've been reading all of your write ups. Well, oh, thank you so much. I am, in fact, the vulture uh, recapper for mm-hmm. uh, Saturday Night Live. It's very interesting to me that I'm on a show called We Stand Together because the SNL stands, believe it or not, they do not like me. They, <laughs> oh, wow. The, the big stands. And, and the reason why is I, I can sometimes be critical of, of uh, certain jokes or sure, jokes, sketches that I find, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a prude, but sometimes I just find, you know, something a little, a little too crass or something just not funny or yeah. way too repetitive as, uh, you know, occasionally SNL can be. And and in my recaps, and the fans, they let me have it. Ooh, wow. What has gotten their hackles rise the most? Like, what what comment has made them come for you hardest? It, it was pretty funny. What comment I remember very, very specifically, but it, it, mostly it's, you're a bad writer, and how dare you, uh, you know, attack SNL. But there was one one comment where uh, Rami Malek was on an episode, mm-hmm. and the last sketch of the night, he is with uh, Aristotle Athari. I'm, I'm probably going to get names wrong, so I apologize in, in, in advance. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I said, uh, you know, they're both... Uh, from the, <laughs> I'm gonna mess this up. But basically, I believe uh, Aristotle's Turkish, or, mm-hmm. or, or and they're maybe they're Tunisian. I don't know something like that. And I said, oh, it would be really cool if the both of them were paired earlier in the episode, mm. uh, as opposed to just at the last. And that that really pissed people off because people were like, what? Why does race have to come into this? Oh, like, why no. do you have to like bring that up? And what does it matter if that's the, la- that's the last sketch or whatever? But it's funny because whenever uh, we have guests who are like people of color, I, I often say like, oh, SNL should try to bring in their people of color and pair them more. <laughs> and I always like suggest that. And uh, the fans, not not happy that I bring up race in that way. <laughs> that is wild. Wow. Huh. Wow. Well, I have mentioned that you're going to be on this podcast to two different people, both of whom volunteered that they love your recaps. Yeah. Oh. Uh, true story. Venmo me and I will give you the names. <laughs> <laughs> Literally typing up the Venmo right now. <laughs> so thank you so much. Two people, they weren't next to each other either. No one was just doing a also. Yeah, Lauren was there for one. I was there for one. I can verify she, one of them. But you got to get you got to Venmo me for both. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so Lauren, Alexis has spoken on his credential. Yeah. He's made the the audience feel at home. Yeah, yeah. They can trust him. What is your credential? What is your relationship? I might have the best credential I've ever had on the show this week. <laughs> so I believe the year was, I think it was 2018, 2019. But I, one night, I was just, you know, li- living my life when I got a series of uh, angry text messages from friend of the show, uh, Katie Swan, who was so mad at me for not telling her that I had booked SNL. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I thought I was getting trolled. And then I got a few other like weird texts. And 
what actually happened was that Amy Bryant was playing like a like a Karen esque character. Like it was one. It was when that like white lady in the park was like calling yes, people the barbecue the barbecue Karen. lady Karen. Yeah, and for some reason, Amy Bryant in costume playing barbecue Karen looks exactly like me like like exactly <laughs> like me in this picture that she posted on instagram and so a lot of people just saw this photo pop up in their feed and it was ad bryant and leslie jones but they all thought it was me and i got so many like oh my god so cool and i was like guys it's not it's ad bryant so anyways um that's my credit is that even my best friend i've had since high school can't tell me apart from another fat woman <laughs> Well, only in that one costume. Only in that one costume. <laughs> it is. You will put this picture I will post on picture. social media. It, it is, is weird. strange. It is There's strange. There's something odd about it that it does. Because Aidy and I do not look alike. <laughs> but in that moment, I was like, okay, I do get it. Like, anyways. But that's my credit this week. Great. I got congratulated for booking a show I was never on. <laughs> Caitlin? Congrats. What's yours? Well, I had the distinction of when I was five years old, I was in Sunday school and I had been allowed to stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. Don't know why. Mm -hmm. I thought I would share with the fellow uh, children of Jesus mm -hmm. the one of the best characters, which was the church lady. And I'm also yes. like, they'll, they'll get it because, you know, we're here. It didn't occur to me that people like adults wouldn't all know what the church lady was right. by Dana Garvey. So it appeared to all the women running Sunday school that I was just like making fun of them. And I mean, thank you that they thought that was my original material. Yeah. <laughs> but I got kicked out of Sunday school for do doing a church lady impression. When you were five? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a permanent ban, but uh, yeah, the day, I, yeah, they weren't taking it. That is wild. <laughs> it only like years later, like as an older child, did I even piece together. Like, I, I thought I was like being punished for you know being annoying and mm -hmm. disruptive fair but i was like oh they also don't necessarily know what the church lady is like that's not something all adults know mm. like i feel like at least when i was little i assumed every adult knew the exact same media as my parents which isn't necessarily true and also it's such a vague name that the church oh, yeah. lady so now they yes. just think so you just i could i'm a church lady yes Perhaps exactly. i'm the church lady and that's presumptuous on their part yeah that's right so they need to look at the ego mm -hmm. <laughs> But congrats that they were like, wow, this child is doing cutting commentary on all of oh, us. Oh, yeah. 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 She has this catchphrase. <laughs> Isn't that special? <laughs> I mean, she just keeps going back to that. Maybe too much, but. <laughs> well, well, I think we're all experts. Yeah, we're all totally <laughs> experts on SNL. And we are ready to put that knowledge to the test with our first game. Alexis, are oh, you boy. ready to play? Yes. I'm, I, I'm ready to play. I'm ready to lose, in fact. So, you know, here we go. You know, this is a this is a choose your own adventure type game. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. It's called Pitch Fire. Alexis is all stars. <laughs> We're going to have you, Alexis, put together an all star SNL episode oh. you can pull living people dead people whatever so we're gonna go through every aspect of the show so who is our host okay wow our, our host so mm -hmm. i think i think one of the best hosts really is walken mm. wow he's been you know obviously cowbell yeah he was a part of cowbell <laughs> obviously cowbell uh, he also was in that <laughs> That that one sketch where the camera is his date. <gasps> oh yeah. You know, like there's one point where he, you know, the date is in the bathroom and he like lights up a cigarette on the other side of the mirror. <laughs> and, yes. and it appears and and like yeah. so I feel like Wa Christopher Walken's probably the best all time guest. Wow. And so that's what that's that's mine. Okay, awesome. that's amazing, awesome. Christopher Walken. So who is the musical guest? Wow. For some reason, when I think of SNL, I I am like and I'm like the band that's playing. Is the Ramones, and I don't know if wow. they've ever played SNL even uh, when I think about it. But for some reason, I'm just like, <laughs> there's something like that grimy New Yorkness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually started watching SNL right, like, kind of when Caitlin was watching it. Like when I was like five or six, my dad was like, "You have to watch this. This is like American <laughs> culture right here." Uh, so, <laughs> so he kind of like forced me to watch SNL, and uh, I remember like bands like that, like playing at least back then. So I just, for some reason, I'll just, I'll just say like the Ramones. That's my band. So I. I think they were on SNL, but I think if I remember correctly, there is a rumor that they got banned by Lauren Michaels from ever coming oh. back because he said they were assholes. But I don't know if that's true or not. That that can't be the one thing, but, <laughs> but I, well, I, I don't know if that's true or not. But I remember I don't know if they actually were on the show or if they were never booked on the show. 
because he didn't like them. But there's some, there was um, something between Lauren Michaels and the Ramones, so I love that you picked them. <laughs> excellent. There you go. And Lauren, if you're listening, we, could, we don't have to have the Ramones if you don't like them. But there are people who have been banned for being assholes. Uh, Steven Seagal was banned. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did he do? They just said he was just a, a total jerk, didn't really take notes. And, and it's funny to say that a guest, a host didn't take notes. Yeah. When you watch SNL, the hosts typically just stand there and read off cue cards. But, uh, you know, they said that Seagal was just very rude to everybody. And they basically afterwards were like, yeah, he's banned. He's not coming back. I mean, not that he's literally, he's been straight to VHS <laughs> since right. 1991. So it's not like he's going to be on SNL anytime soon. But yeah, after his episode, they're like, yeah, uh, under siege. We don't care. you know. <laughs> yeah, there hasn't been a lot to promote. Weirdly, Rickman and I just read uh, Brian Cox's book and he talks about working with Seagal and how bad it is. I guess it's someone you're just allowed to say like, he sucks. Mm-hmm. There's probably people that are as bad that just, it's just not, it's not cool to, to badmouth them. But Seagal, you didn't get away with it. What can I say? Oh, wait. Okay. I just debunked the rumor. They were, oh. they were not banned by Lauren Michaels. So the truth is the Ramones were actually asked to play on December 17th, 1977, uh, season three. However, they were only being offered the spot because the Sex Pistols, who were originally scheduled, broke up before getting to New York. So the Ramones said, we're nobody's replacement band, assuming that they would get offered another slot later. But then they were never asked again. Unbelievable. So that's that's special to me. I hope they I hope they're invited. I love that. If I'm running SNL, they're invited. I love that. All right. You're getting it. Okay. so now we get into the meat of it. What's really difficult. We got to pull cast members. So I'm going to say, you know, we can't do the full cast, maybe, but let's do five to seven all stars. Who are they? This is going to be this is going to be tough. Yeah. The, f- the first one that comes to mind is is Gilda Radner. Yeah. That's the that's number one for me. And then I feel like I got to go with I need a dad, so I'll go with Phil Hartman to play yeah. that those dad characters. Then I'm probably giving away my favorite era of <laughs> SNL here, but then I, then I have to go with like Farley. Yeah. And uh, all right, now here we go. Yep. I'll go with Kristen Wiig. Okay. And then Tim Meadows. Classic. Nice. I can't believe there's never been an SNL All-Stars like variety special where they just bring them in for one night mm. only. Yeah, it is interesting. Right? All right. So then the final piece, we need to update Anchor or Anchors. Mm-hmm. So there were I had, I've had a couple of favorites. I mean, I feel like everybody loves uh, Norm MacDonald, but I, I, I really liked Kevin Nealon. I thought yeah. he was like, really funny. And that was like very like, like his sarcasm was really good. So I feel like if you just did... Kevin Nealon and Tina Fey, like together, they would kind of feed off each other's energy, and that would be great. Oh, that could be cool. Yeah, Kevin Nealon, underrated. I always loved him. I think he commits to like the character and like not worrying if we, the audience, think Kevin Nealon, the person, is smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, like it's just he's just going to go in there and perform it. Which I do. I think that that can kind of seep into some of updates lesser angels is like <laughs> like worrying about whether they are actually smart. It's like yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter kevin nealon and tina fey the duo wow wow alexis this is a great episode of television you've produced are there any <laughs> other elements that we didn't ask you for specifically though that you want to see any writers any i mean we don't want to see any writers on screen it's, it's <laughs> no. disgusting maybe some saturday tv funhouse commercial like, yeah. Okay. Better, you know yeah get, give me a couple of those that's that's my episode right there perfect it's a perfect episode it's a ratings bonanza <laughs> I think you're going to get hired. I think Lauren's going to call any moment because he actually does somehow. We don't know. We haven't figured out how, but he listens in real time as we record. He doesn't listen to the podcast. He, we don't do better numbers. No. Yeah, it's, listens, it's really listen. weird. And and he never talks to us directly. He just like slides into the DMs of our guests. It's like so <laughs> strange. He plays games, that guy. He plays games. <laughs> well, definitely also another one of the things. It, it's interesting because right now SNL, like it's kind of approaching that 50th anniversary. Yeah. So, no, nobody can leave. Uh, you know, right now it's it just seems like everybody's like hanging around because it's almost like the real party starts at at 10 p.m. So everybody's yeah, kind of yeah. like, like it's like 7 p.m. in SNL land. Everybody's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm not leaving until. But I really hope one day we go back to the tight, like eight person, nine person cast. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. now there's literally 24 people. Too many. It's like 21 plus Please Don't Destroy who are also in sketches. So <laughs> it's funny wow. that they don't, like, they're not like a part of it, but they actually are. They're a part of SNL. Like, uh, they're in the sketches as well. And they have their own like sketch every night. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's like 25 people fighting for, for stage time. And it's fine. I mean, they're all great. I think they're all very funny, but it just, it, it just hurts the show because it just 
now it just becomes this kind of like buffet mm-hmm. of like you know people just fighting for one line whereas it used to be a show where like almost everybody on it was heavily featured having to change clothes very fast and like jumping on stage like like oh i got so many lines to remember but now you know people are like there's like a couple people who are in like a few sketches and one person who's just like ah, i got one line this month yeah yeah i feel like the amount of times i've heard people be like is so and so still on that show because you just can't tell sometimes <laughs> Well, the answer is yes now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. Well, I, I think I think we need to to take a break, mm-hmm. uh, answer Lauren's DMs, and we'll be right back. Together. You can shop from anywhere, doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. All right, we're back. Uh, we checked our DMs. Lauren is coming in hot and spicy. But unfortunately, he said that uh, we have to continue the rest of the episode before we can make a final determination about whether or not uh, he can actually offer an Alexis spot. Oh, wow. It's that touch and go. I also got some DMs. And uh, Aristotle is Iranian. And, oh. and Rami, is, Rami is Egyptian. I thought that would be a nice pairing to show the two of them <laughs> starting the sketch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I love how everything works in real time nowadays. <laughs> All right. Okay. So guys, I want to talk to you. Uh, I have a thesis and it's, you know, I was trying to think what like moments of joy from SNL really like made me into it as a kid. And I liked the sketches and the characters, but I really liked this certain awareness it had that I'd never seen on television before. So I'm saying like one of SNL's biggest influences is that it doesn't exist in a vacuum by which I mean, like, obviously it doesn't in that, like they'll do a sketch about the president and that's, you know, referencing the president, (laughs) but it actually acknowledges things about celebrity and about how its own show works in a way that I really found inspiring or like it, it felt, like you were really there with them because it's like, oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember one clip, I couldn't find it. This is really from a promo for SNL from like 1993, Shannon Doherty hosted. Ooh. She uh, said, you know, I'm Shannon Doherty, blah, blah, blah. You might know me from 90210 or maybe I've shot someone you know. And I remember that just being like, that is so funny that like you could make fun of yourself and reference something bad mm. that happened and so freeing. So I want to show three examples. Uh, let's just start with this one. This is Mike Myers when he comes back to host the hosting. It's, it's great to be back. Uh, I, uh, when I left the show, I took a little time off. 
and I spent some time with my family and uh, made a movie called Austin Powers International Man of Mystery, which opens May 2nd. Um, and when I was making Austin Powers, which opens May 2nd, Lauren said, when you're done, why don't you come on and host the show? And I thought, host? Me? No. See, it was a dream of mine to be on this show since I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, I've had the fortune of spending six um, unbelievable years here. Uh, but I thought, um, I thought I would never host, you know? Um, no. You know. Then I thought, but wait. That's what a lot of former cast members have come back to host. Chevy, Dan, Bill Murray. And now, me. I can't believe I'm up here now. I'm doing the monologue. My head is reeling, I'm in a fog. Hold on, something's wrong. Molly, why do you look so down? Well, Mike, my fortune teller sketch got cut tonight. That's right. Some sketches get cut after dress rehearsal, that's right. Yeah, now I'm hardly gonna be in the show. Well, gosh, if anyone knows what that feels like, it sure is me. See, I was like you guys, too. We're in the cast from week to week, hoping for a chance to speak. But now I'm in, come on, the entire show. They can't take that away from me. I'm the host I've got to be. Now you know what total bliss is like. It's hosting, it's hosting, yeah. You look like a completely different mic. It's from hosting, from hosting, yeah. Tim! Hey, Mike. Tim Meadows, how are you? I'm all right. Wow, well, thanks for coming by to support me. Mike, I'm still in the cast. <laughs> Didn't you leave with Farley and Spade? No. Well, I'm sure you'll host. Yeah, I'm sure you'll host. Bye. <laughs> Who am I anyway? Why are contracts so incredibly hard to break? Well, I could be out in LA. Why did I sign a 30-year contract? That's such a long time. I see that now. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> but that end in particular with Tim Meadows, I probably say, why did I sign a 30-year contract to myself every single day? <laughs> and I just remember being so joyful that like, oh, I noticed he's been on the show a long time too. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe that seems unnecessary because we like, have so much social media commentary at all times. And I guess you know every like every political and pop culture opinion there could ever be you know exists but I feel like back in the 90s when you felt like you were in isolation like am I alone thinking these things I, I felt like SNL's like no it it's weird that he's been there that long <laughs> mm -hmm. so I I love that and then this is also a opening monologue this time from Gwyneth Paltrow famous SNL cast member Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> should have been and I'll say it again <laughs> Um, it's absolutely brilliant to be hosting Saturday Night Live. I have had such a smashing year. Excuse me, Gwyneth? Yes. I I'm a big fan of yours. I loved you in Shakespeare in Love and Sliding Doors and Emma. But I didn't know you were actually from England. Oh, yes. I was born and raised there. Where, where exactly? You, sir, do you have a question? No, 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 I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> well, I miss home already. So many wonderful memories of England, the smell of sweet meats and scones on St. Crispin's Day. Excuse me, Gwyneth, aren't you from New York? Pardon? Well, I read in People magazine that you grew up in New York City and your mom is Blythe Danner and your dad produced St. Elsewhere. Well, I simply don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Would you like some tea, love? <laughs> Hold on, Gwyneth? Yes? Yeah, hi. It's me. It's me, Ben. I'm, I'm sorry? Ben. Ben Affleck. Oh, Ben Affleck, the charming American actor I worked with in Shakespeare in Love. 
Uh, Gwyneth, why are you speaking in an English accent? English people always speak with English accents, love. Oh, you Yanks are so humorous, spelled with an O-U-R. But you're not British. You're American. You're, you were born in Los Angeles. You were raised in New York. Your, your whole family's American. I, I know them. Well, it's odd that an American would know so much about me, an English woman. I, I don't know. I don't really think it's odd. I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we dated, you know. <laughs> broke up like a month ago. It was in all the papers. Didn't you read about it? I remember that episode pretty well, actually. And I, I do remember that moment. And it, definitely Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow talking about their relationship so soon on SNL was mind-blowing back then because it was like, whoa! I mean, it's like a show where everybody just like releases their laundry, like there's the dirty laundry so openly. It's so weird. Yeah. And almost, I, I almost feel like we don't get that kind of SNL joke anymore where people come on to like, to like make fun of themselves. I don't know. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And yeah, I, I mean, I remember it happening live as well and just being like, wow, these people are cool. They're talking about a breakup and it's live TV. And uh, for the listeners that didn't see it, it's Paul Appel and Tina Fey are the questioners in the audience, which is just funny. <laughs> but like, even the fact of like playing with the fact that a lot of people thought she was British. I, I think we were just in an era when people, what's funny is this one, I first knew, not because I watched it. Now, this is old school media, but because my mom described it to me. <laughs> no, we all know. In a way that was very freeing to me. And this one, okay, so this next one, this is my last one. I know these are long. <laughs> Excuse me. Aren't you Cole Simon? Yes, I am. Ah, I don't know if you remember me. I did some session work on your first solo album. Buddy Barnes. Yes! Yes! You played bass. Yeah! You know, I, I didn't I, think you remember me. I do. You brought your mother to the studio. Yes, I did. How is she doing? She's doing great. Oh, that's great. Give her my best, will you? I will. Thanks okay. a lot. Good seeing you. So some of my friends said they love this movie. Some of my friends say... Uh, yeah, yeah. but so we'll see for ourselves. Um, and we don't like what we think. Paul? Hi, um, remember me? I could show up at the airport in 1963. Um, uh, it was uh, in Baton Rouge, and, and we were playing at Claremont Community College. Uh, Carol Britsky. Yes! <laughs> I remember. You were a political science major yes. then. Yes, I'm teaching it now. Really? Well, congratulations. Thank it's nice you. to see you. Good to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am amazed. You have an excellent memory. I train my memory because if I if I get a, an idea for a lyric in the middle of the night, yeah. I want to freeze it so I can have it in the morning, write it down. Freeze it. So I work on my work on my memory. So. Oh, Simon! Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm sure you don't remember, but I, I saw you in your concert at Central Park. <laughs> You were sitting on a plaid blanket yeah. under the elm tree. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you've uh, you changed your hair. Yeah. Since then. <laughs> I like it very much. Thank you. Thank and, uh, you. And thank you for yelling more. Oh, yes. <laughs> you're welcome. This is my friend Steve. Hello. Steve, how are you? I don't remember you from the concert in Central Park. No, no, I wasn't there. I saw you in Baltimore in 1981. Oh, that's right. The Capitol Theater, The Late Show. You were the one who was yelling, The Boxer, play The Boxer. <laughs> yes, I hope you didn't mind. Uh, I didn't mind. It's just, we had just finished playing The Boxer. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I, I, I just stepped out. Yeah. I didn't know. Sorry. No, don't worry about it. It's nice seeing you both again. I love, love your hair. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, you know, I, I can't even remember the names of my cousins. This is bizarre. Excuse me. Hi. You know me. I'm Bill Seberg. I brought your Bridge Over Troubled Water album in Seattle, and I had to return it. <laughs> oh, yes. You had a problem with the second side. There was a scratch on the yes. uh, second cut. Right. Did yeah. they take care of that for you? Yes, they sure did. No oh, problem. I'm glad. Yeah. I heard your sister isn't doing so well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, is she... Is she all right? Oh, she's doing much better. Thanks. Oh, I'm relieved. Great. Don't have a chance. I won't. You won't. I won't ever change. You never have. Hey, Paul. You're going to see this movie. This movie's great. 
I saw this movie last week. De Niro is fantastic. You're gonna love this film. And and your name is. Oh, I'm Art. Art Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel. No, Art. This man. This man was your partner. You you were a team for eleven years. A team, a team for eleven years. Garfunkel. When you're weary, feeling small. When tears are in. Damn. Classic fade out. <laughs> <laughs> That's another uh, aspect of SNL that I sometimes miss in the present iteration, where celebrities and, and you know would go on, and the joke would be that we are looking at an aspect of their lives that we kind of love about right. them. Like, you know, like everybody loves Paul Simon. Like, it would be really funny if Paul Simon remembered every single yeah. uh, fan of his. And now when I, for example, like they had uh, Zoe Kravitz on last last week. And, you know, I mean, it's not like it has to be like, oh, let's have a Lenny Kravitz sketch or something like that or, or Big Little Lies. But they didn't do any of that. They didn't like, they literally were just like, she would just plug, they plugged her into sketches. Right. And that could have had anybody. And then that was it. And And I'm always like, is there anybody pitching like a, hey, why don't we do like a divergent sketch? You know, right, like, right. I, I don't know. I just, I just don't, I feel like I just don't see that with like current hosts anymore. I don't know. It just feels like they just kind of like almost have the show like written and they're yeah. like, okay, now we'll just plug the host in. Do you think that is a logistical thing in recent years of like last minute stuff happening and like the host, you know, like, like when did that trend really start? Do you think? You know, it's tough to say. I, I was kind of on and off you know, Same. as an SNL fan for like the past like 10 years. So yeah. it's, it's, and, and this is the first, you know, writing the recap this year is the first time where I, I watch like every episode like three times basically yeah. to write my recaps. And, and it's the first time where I really noticed that, you know, the guests come on, they do, for example, like the, the monologues yeah. now are all the same. They're all, they come, the, the guest comes out, they talk about their life. Uh, they're a little personal. They talk about what a dream it was to be on SNL and then that's it. <laughs> Like that's the, it's just kind of like a two minute monologue. And, you know, there have been a couple, like, for example, Zoe last, not, uh, last week where they like, they brought in a couple of cat women mm-hmm. on and, but like, it wasn't about like Zoe. It was about yeah. cat women from different generations, but like, they were very touchy about like, t- like talking about the host specifically or making fun of SNL at all. Like, it, it's very, it's very interesting to me. Like Lauren used to always be on making fun of SNL um, in the nineties. Yeah. And then, right. and then now like, now it's almost sacrosanct. Yeah. When that, when, now when people come on, it's it's like if you talk about SNL, it's like a holy place. Like Sudeikis ended his monologue being like, "This is the dream of every hardworking American, whatever, to be on SNL." Like it was very almost it was very weird. He ended this monologue as uh, Ted Lasso yeah. talking about like how great SNL is, and it made me like uncomfortable because I'm just like, I like SNL, but like I don't like it when people are like, "This is a holy place." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. I, I love it when they make fun of the fucking place. Yeah, like you're, that reminds me of like when Sandler came back to host, and he called out the fact that he still didn't know why he'd been fired. <laughs> well, I I think you're both bringing up points where it's like, and what I love about that uh, Mike Myers hosting song so much, I think what appealed to me, especially as an adolescent, is like, oh, it's like a clubhouse yeah. where people would get my references, where people mm-hmm, would be mm-hmm. like, you know, who who thinks what about Ben Affleck and Good <laughs> Faltrow's breakup, and and maybe that's lost a little as it gets more like canonized. Mm. It, you want it to seem fun to be there. That's a big yeah. part of it to me. But I think also they just are competing now with more like they were competing with other sketch shows. But now I think they're competing with more like cultural commentary, like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok are that, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's just it's just it, it's odd. I, I was just thinking of like one of my favorite moments in the 90s. I think it was or maybe even earlier where uh, Joe Montana was the, the host. And he there's a sketch where he goes, uh, I'm going to go upstairs to masturbate. <laughs> and like it was like a big moment because it was like Joe Montana, like who's like the face of the NFL. And he's like this clean cut guy. He just made like a, a masturbation joke. And now it's just now when people come on, it's, you know, and this isn't just SNL. It's like all of the media. Everybody's very image obsessed. Like this mm-hmm. is my image and I have to protect it no matter where I go. Like it has to right. be, has to have a shield around it. And it stinks that, you know, even at SNL, people are like, which I heard is having a hard time finding hosts for whatever reason. But, um, you know, it sticks that even on SNL, people go on and just kind of like, yeah, this is like, I'll do your sketches. I don't want to, yeah. or don't make fun of my movie or my show. Uh, I'll do your sketch and that's it. It's so, you know, Caitlin, you brought, to circle back to the point you made earlier about like your mom explaining something to you. It's different now because like, right. it's true. A lame sketch can go viral in a way that it like took months, if not years to like spread when we were, kids right like if you missed saturday night live 
and your dad wasn't recording it for you. Like you weren't right. going to see it until like <laughs> the summer hiatus, maybe when they were re-airing it. So now I guess it's like in real time as people are watching the episodes, they're commenting on it, which makes it, the stakes probably feel a lot higher, a lot scarier for these big right. stars. I don't know. And things were for different audiences and yeah. now it can get to everyone yep, like i mean yep. it was for cooler like high yeah. schoolers and adults that were awake at that time and now <laughs> every moron can see it yeah and get mad about it it's, yeah. it's fascinating now it's on hulu every morning uh, on yes mornings. yes now i didn't realize i wasn't thinking when i sought out the gwyneth paltrow clip how much ben affleck has been circling around snl for for such for, a long time in so many ways <laughs> yeah yeah, I saw him. I was watching compilations of people breaking earlier, and he was in a couple of them. There's no reason. That's not going to come back later. I ended up scrapping that idea for my thesis, but I spent a long time watching these videos. He could have been maybe happier in life being an SNL cast member than the way he went. Mm. Oh, yeah. I th- he Wasn't he that, there was like a car dealer where he was like like a Turkish or Greek car dealer or something like mm-hmm. that, and he just kept saying, bro, bro. Uh, it was great. I, I, I've enjoyed his episodes. He, he and J-Lo should come back and host together. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. And she can be the musical <laughs> act that night, too. What an incredible episode that would be. Yeah, they can re- reprise J-Lo Mango. <laughs> yeah. They could, they could do a great Geely 2 fake trailer. See, that would be a good, that would be a good combination of things we're talking about. Self-deprecating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're for it. And then Mark Anthony can come as a guest. Mark Anthony can maybe be the musical act. He could come do a, a song. She gets to do it. He should, he should ask a question from the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Uh. And then Matt Damon gets to ask a question from the audience of Ben. I oh. will tell you, uh, as someone who's written an above average article that lightly poked fun at Mark Anthony, don't go after that fan base. <laughs> <laughs> they will come for you. It is crazy. Like, because it was actually making fun of both J-Lo and Mark Anthony. No one cared about J-Lo. I was like, don't you speak about Mark this way. Anthony stands, they're out there and they are working hard. They're working harder than any other stand-up. They have to. They're keeping <laughs> him alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Caitlin, I think this is, you've raised a fascinating point. There's something that we've lost uh, in the I modern so. world. But they could get it back. It's yeah. just that easy. I, I do think so. Uh, J-Lo can fix everything is what I heard. Well, I wonder if the the virality of like dick in a box and stuff mm. was a part of it where it's like you start to think about what are these things that can be packaged to like live on mm-hmm. in a way like of the things I showed you, like, I mean, I, I don't know, like o- only the Paul Simon fan sketch is really like a sketch in and of itself. But then are you blaming Lonely Island for the disintegration <laughs> of SNL? You know, Alexis wondered why they're having trouble getting hosts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because people hated the <laughs> island and just the memory of it is too much. They don't want their name associated with that. But you know, it's funny. I I, I bet SNL would kill to have another dick in a box yeah. like type like viral <laughs> sketch now. I, they don't, they oh, don't yeah. even have like stuff like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because the when you watch those moments like Ben Affleck questioning Gwyneth Paltrow like a month after they broke up or Mike Myers singing backstage about how like crappy, uh, you know, with like how crappy it is to be on SNL. Those are two things that if SNL did now, I think would like hit hard. Like they would be yeah. super viral and like it would like people would be talking about it. But something about the you know, both both SNL itself and the way celebrity is now yeah. where people are too afraid to like go into that area. So That's yeah, true. totally. That's true. All right. Well, thank you guys for indulging me. Yeah, no, I, you know, and this is your thesis kind of nicely sets up the theme of our second game today. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. I, I've got a little game today called Pitch It to Fix It. So congratulations, Alexis. Lauren did just slide into the DMs and yes. let me know that he has been reading your recaps and he is a stan. He loves them. He thinks that Thank you me. are absolutely right on the money. And so he wants to give you a trial run and bring you onto the SNL team. But he has a very special challenge for you. He's signing you on for one episode. And on oh. your episode, you get to take three sketches, any three sketches from the entire SNL canon that you think missed the mark just a little bit. And so today, I'm asking you to pick three sketches to revive and pitch how to fix it. Wow. This is good. This is mm-hmm. interesting. I'm, I'm going to go with just like this season. I, okay. And I think it's right. just probably because the ones that I remember the most are probably yeah. really great sketches from like the past. So they had Kim Kardashian on. Yeah. And they did a Kim's Court kind of thing. Oh, right? yeah. Where, right. Where Kim was the judge. Right. And I think she was Kim playing 
Chloe? Cor- uh, Courtney. 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 Courtney's, yeah, Courtney's court, whatever. And then they had, you know, and there was a great jokes uh, in it. I thought it was, uh, you know, again, like the toughest part was done. Mm-hmm. Like they people, they set up the sketch and they had like great jokes. But like what they did was it was a compilation, which I hate. Compilations never work live because you have to like reset and like cut and like, you know, the momentum is gone. The best SNL sketches are not live compilations. And I wish they had done an entire sketch with Kim as Courtney. Mm-hmm. Then uh, somebody as Kim, except what they did was they had uh, Kim covered up from mm-hmm. like the Met Gala. And I thought that was ridiculous. Like, why would she be wearing that again? Somebody as Kim, but playing Kim to yeah. Kim's face, okay, with Chris Red playing Kanye mm. the entire time. You know, that right. would have been like like a four-minute sketch of just the three of them with whatever walk-ons you want to do. That would have been baller. Like and yeah. the way like they did it, they kind of like, you know, for, it's funny because the things you're talking about of like people being self-aware, Kim's episode was the most was yeah. the closest mm. to that. It was very funny because like afterward they were like they're trying to do like a stand-up tour starring Kim Kardashian now because of how like successful it was. It's like so funny when somebody does when somebody tries something and it's like funny, they're like, Oh, yeah. well, now your whole life has to be that. You know, but so that's uh that's that. All right. You Hmm. pitched it and you fixed it. Next one. Boy. Okay, so there was um there was like a game show episode, uh, a sketch with Rami Malik where he I think he and Pete played each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, the hard all the hard parts and the really brilliant parts were done where they set that up. But then they had like all these other like celebrities in the on the panel and it was like like ten celebrities on the panel and it like took forever. To get to each one and mm-hmm. I, I always thought like you should just do like a sketch where it's just rami and pete playing each other uh as the two you know celebrities and people will love it people will watch it forever but it's like again it's yeah. that thing where it's like they just kind of like they only touched on it a little bit and then they like went to other stuff mm-hmm. yeah so uh so that's that one and okay so the, finally like the one that i i really feel like needed to, to be like totally reworked there they did a sketch where oscar isaac and I, I think Cecily, I'm, I'm sorry, I remember like our, our two HR reps mm-hmm. and they are giving a presentation about uh, sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that like the two reps are into each other. But what they did was they kind of like, they kind of talked about like hooking up. They like said it out loud, right? And then people are like, wait, are you hooking up or whatever? And they're like, like, why, why, we're like, you know, like, I don't know, I can't quite remember, but they just basically would just say it out loud and i just felt like it's like the least sexy way <laughs> to present a sketch about two people like hooking up you know like i have them have like chemistry with each right. other or like flirt a little bit you know where let's say you, you're it's late at night your hr <laughs> another hr rep comes in brings a <laughs> bottle of wine and like and then maybe like you know touch each other or something like that look each other in the eye like really like dim the lights and, and like just like when you're presenting the scenario of like you know, sex or whatever. And then people are like, that's sexual harassment. And they're like, and then they could be like, no, no, that's what are you talking about? Right, right. Totally yeah, yeah, fun, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just feel like that sketch, that was like the, the a, a really painful sketch because it kind of ended up being about like taking pictures of people in the toilet and stuff like well, that. Yeah. It really does <laughs> really weird. But for oh, me, I was kind of like, if you're going to do a sketch where Oscar Isaac is hooking up with another, uh, with his coworker, let, like, let's be sexy about it instead right. of being yeah. weird. Yeah, let's be sexy about it. That's another one. Why was that in that episode in particular? Like, was there a like a hook to why it was Oscar Isaac? Other than he's just like a hot guy. Yeah, I, I wrote about this in my review. Like in Oscar Isaac's career, I feel like his good looks are actually wasted. Mm-hmm. He's known as a hot guy, but yeah. when you, there's no like Oscar, at least for me, maybe I'm wrong. There's no Oscar Isaac is so hot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Is there? Mm-hmm. Is there a movie? Mm-hmm. Like, Nothing I can think of. So that, that's tough because what happens is SNL, like they they kind of write around your archetype. Right. You know, like they they're like, okay, this is George Clooney. I don't know. Like yeah. you were really hot and you know, whatever. So now this is the way we'll write a sketch for you. And with Oscar Isaac, like there was a couple, like they had a couple of sketches. Like there was another one where AD was like, there, there was a sketch about a sketch where uh AD in the sketch said she wrote a sketch so that Oscar Isaac and her would like hook up. Mm-hmm. But like they didn't. You know, right. it was still like mm-hmm. that kind of safe, like you know, oh, like we like each other, you know, sit on my lap. You know, there was, it was like, it's like the lead, it was like the most PG, G, like, yeah, sex scene, you know, uh, I'm like, whatever. I, again, I understand that people just don't want to do that, but I just feel like if you're going to write a scene, if you're right. going to write a sketch where you say, I want to fuck Oscar Isaac, you have to kind of be, get close to fucking Oscar Isaac. Right. You can't right. just True. be like in a sketch where I'm talking about how much we like each other. Like, 
very badly and badly acted. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's the least sexy thing ever. Yeah. So again, that was the same thing where they didn't really know how to make him sexy. So yeah, yeah, he was yeah. just weird. Yeah. And then it was like, whoa, isn't this a dream to be in a scene where Oscar Isaac is like saying he wants to sleep with me? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't think that's any woman's dream to see a guy badly read off a cue card that he wants <laughs> to sleep with you. <laughs> Uh, well, I think these are all great fixes. I think you're going to get locked into a 30 year contract. I, hey, I love oh, it. I love it. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna see about getting that 30 year contract FedExed over here, and we'll be right back. All right. So the ink is drying on Alexis's 30-year contract. So now it's safe for us to go into the danger zone uh, of my thesis. Ooh. You know, as always, Stan Stans, I kind of started with one idea and found myself meditating on SNL in a different way than I thought. You know, I, I thought at first Dana Carvey was going to be my focus because Dana Carvey is often my focus. And then I was like, maybe Martin <laughs> Short. And then I thought, oh, maybe like the misfits of SNL, people I love that didn't really love their time there. And as I was l- looking at all these folks who didn't last long in SNL, like Martin Short, like Jay Moore, like Sarah Silverman, and I started digging into these like short stays. It's not a new discovery. And I know that this is sort of like land that has been treaded quite well. But I, I stumbled on a quote from cast member Nora Dunn. That just really (laughs) hit me. Nora Dunn said, SNL is a traumatic experience. It's something you have to survive. And I found so many like little bites from former cast members that it really sounds like, you know, and I think it's so funny, Alexis, that you pointed out that this season in particular, it seems to be really focused on what a dream SNL is, right? Like <laughs> SNL has become part of like the American dream for people, you know, but like, is it actually a dream job or is it just like an abusive relationship? Because like all of these stories sound like the amount of people who talk about like how much anxiety they had and how like working there like impacted their health, their relationships, like it's crazy like and people who have been like quite successful in other places like the institution of snl is just like it's cuckoo like i I don't like there were some stories that i hadn't known until today like i hadn't realized that when ben stiller got hired there he didn't want to be cast he thought he was getting hired to do like direct because he was really focused on trying to get his directing career started and so it sounds like he kind of thought he was going to be like an early iteration of like kind of like what lonely island was doing like video segments he thought he was going to be like the video segments guy and he was like but then about they just kept having me be on camera and I hated it and I didn't want to be there. So I quit. And there's this sort of recurring theme. Like you were saying, like they just sort of put you in a box and then they're like, don't care if you don't fit it. Right. Like they just, I don't know. It's like for a place that was supposed to be like the, like an epicenter for creativity and like, you know, all this stuff. It's such a like industrial complex of like conformity in a weird way. When you like unpack some of these stories, you know, especially from the, a lot of the female contributors talk about like the boys, like the people that were happiest were all part of like the boys club that were like, I don't know. And people always assume that if you do comedy, that that SNL has to be like the dream, the goal. And I feel like people, anytime I said that wasn't my, like, no, they were like bullshit. And it's like, well, yeah, of course I would take the check. Like I'm not an idiot, but like it never, like growing (laughs) up, I like, like there were so many stories of like how awful it was there that I was like, why do you want to go work somewhere that's awful? I don't know if either of you had any similar thoughts, but like, I remember like, I don't know, Jay Moore is one of the first ones. Like I remember his podcast was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. And so much of it was about how he was so miserable there that he got so stressed that he ended up ultimately getting fired because he plagiarized, but he plagiarized because <laughs> he was so terrified because he hadn't gotten anything on the air. And it's right. like, I don't know. So my thesis today is is that SNL is not really a dream job. It's an abusive partner. (laughs) (laughs) I was in a a show with a famous, I don't want to say who it is, but like a a very popular SNL cast member and the back hallway and another famous person ran in. And you know how like when famous people see each other, they kind of like lock and they're like, oh, you and I are going to be friends and we will insulate ourselves from everybody else. So the two of them kind of locked eyes together and started chatting. And one of them was like, you going back to SNL uh, next year? And he's just like, dude, I fucking wish I could get the fuck away from that place. Like just out loud in front yeah. of everybody. It's very funny because at the time he was like a well-known, everybody was like, oh, he's like the best and he loves it and he's a star. Yeah, I, I, I get that sense from a lot of people. Like there are people who are uh, on the show and struggling to get stuff on. And that's like one aspect of it. Then there are people who are like, they are on a lot, but they are made to do like the same stuff over and over again. And they're just kind of like sick of it. And they're like, you know, I just want to leave, you know? 
And then there's uh, Keenan, who just loves being on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Keenan just like is, you know, and he's funny. He's a funny guy. Like yeah. he just, but he's just kind of like this. I am on the show and I will always, you know, I'll do whatever they want me to do. And I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it does. It begs the question, like, is it the institution or is it personality types that get attracted to the institution? Because like, was Chris Elliott feeling embarrassed for a whole year, as he claims, because of just like, it wasn't a good fit? Or was it like truly toxic? I don't know. It's definitely toxic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna say, I think two things are true. I think it is a toxic place. But I think like, it also, they also tend to recruit really young people to work there who don't have other industry experience. Like, Mm -hmm. so... I think, and I think purposefully to, yeah, you know, make it higher stakes for them. But, you know, I think, Lauren, if you're offered, I think you should do the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because no. yeah. you're working more hours a week now. Yeah. So, where, where are you on it? Yeah, no, I was actually, on that I, was, one episode, I was on one you episode in 2018 and I absolutely killed. So, I, you know, I might go back. I would love if that was the SNL system. Like, occasionally an actor just gets one or two episodes. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, you know, I just, I, I don't have the the stamina to do a full season, but I'll do one episode a season. One sketch a season, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so funny to me. Like, I don't know. Like, Janine Garofalo still maintains that it was the worst experience of her entire life. And that's just, it's just crazy to me. Oh, I mean, her yeah. life? No, I don't buy it. But, <laughs> but you, know, you know? Jim Belushi yelled at her for trying to memorize her lines. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the big, well, Jim Belushi really famously funny. said that women had no place in comedy, and he didn't understand why they kept bringing them to SNL. Oh, well. <laughs> it's half right. it's half right. one, you know, one, one thing I, I don't really get, you know, about, about SNL, like, you know, I still think, like, I, they get really good people. Yeah, sure. You know, the writers and the, the cast. Totally. They, they, like, they do so many sketches for, like, the fourth or fifth time again. I don't understand how that even is pitched. Yeah. You know, when, when I imagine SNL, like they do that thing where it's like 40 people sitting down on the floor yeah. around mm-hmm. Lauren's office and they all pitch a sketch. And and so I'm guessing there's probably a, quite a few original ideas in there, probably quite a few pretty good ones too. And then the show starts and it's five sketches that they've done like the last five weeks. You know, like I, I, don't, like, I, don't, I don't know who decides to bring old sketches back. I have to imagine that that has a lot to do with Lauren and the network just being like, this did well, do it again. Right. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. I mean, yeah, you always wonder what are parameters being put on the show that we don't see or that even probably a lot of writers don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, some stars PR comes in and says, we're not talking about these three things on yeah. the show. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we've all read packets for people that have worked there and we've all read better sketches than have ended up on the air. Like, come on, <laughs> like what's going on? Anyways, uh, so this is me putting it out there that I, I think it sounds like a really awesome place and I hope that I get a call tomorrow to join. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're trying to act too cool, like you're mm-hmm. doing a great job and like, it seems like you don't even want it. So. Yeah, do you think that the more I say I don't want it, the more <laughs> I'll get it? Is that how that works? It's, it's is been that... true about a lot of things in your life. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that playing hard to get? Is that what that is? That's it. Oh. Yep. Figured it out. Oh, and by the way, you know, for anybody listening, like, you know, I, I occasionally get people who are like, oh, you only are critical because you think you could do better or something like that. And there's like, there's like two things could be true. Like, yeah. I do, I, w- I would love to be on the show, like, yeah, of course, as, as a course, writer or actor. Of course. But I don't really feel like I'm critiquing, like, how funny these people are. No, I'm mostly no. like, I'm like, I, w- I want the floodgates opened of the comedy. Like, I'm yeah. like, you know, let's let these people be funnier. I'm, I'm always like, these are the best. You got like these thoroughbreds there. Let's let them be funnier instead of doing these like sketches for the sixth time, you know? And I guess, actually, you just helped me like articulate what I've been like trying to find the words for today. I think the conundrum I have like reading these oral histories and reading these articles is like, at the end of the day, it's comedy. It should be fun. Right. Like, that I think that's what boggles my brain is like, why are people not having like the absolute time of their life? It's comedy like it should be so much fun and so joyful but it sounds like even artists who like are at their core such joyful people it seems like it's really hard to hold on to that there but that makes keenan thompson just the most miraculous because he's able to do that well i, I think though th- th- you have to remember there's also other things about the industry like first of all it's a, it's a regular job true and that's so rare in the industry especially now so like you know like there's like like whatever like a streamer will shoot like two three seasons in a month yeah. and call it one season and then pay you like $10. So SNL is still like a very old school show where they still have like next season. You, you want to stay on. Yeah. 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 No, that's so true. And the other part about it is, you know, I bet I actually, you know, I, I kind of need to correct myself. I'm sure there most of the people there are having fun. I, I do think so. Okay. But I think they're not at their optimal output. And, mm-hmm. and that's because of the toxicity of the place is, and maybe, maybe they didn't even know it because like, I think that there are people sometimes like, you know, you'll see sometimes like, 
let's say they're doing this regular show and they think they're having a great time and then they leave it and then they do something really great and they're like, oh, wow, I was being held back. I didn't even know about it. I think that's probably true for a lot of people there. Yeah. 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 That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I buy that. Yeah. And I think sort of the exception proves the rule is like Keenan came to the show later in his career and it just it seems to suit him. So he yeah. knows it suits him and he knows what else is out there. He's been on the set of D2. You know, he's he's worked with Kel. Like you're not going to tell him about toxicity. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah, he was he grew up in the machine like he yeah, he had had a whole ass life before. So he finds this fine. Yeah, it works for him. He had sent in character reels to SNL and had been told that he's too young to be on it for a couple of years. And then then finally, he got got himself into it. And now he's he's been on almost half his life. He's he's 38. He's been on like he's like 37. He's been on like maybe he's older than that. But like he's been on like 18 years or 17 years and he's like 38, 39. Yeah. But what's funny is I already, I mean, I guess it's just our generation. I knew exactly who he was. When oh, he yeah. Was on us now because he's yeah. done so many things that we'd seen, you know, all that, Keenan and Kel. Yeah. My God, he's literally been doing sketch comedy TV for almost as long as he's been on this planet. Yeah. He's, he was so young when all that started. Yeah. What, yeah. what a wild life. He's great. I do love Keenan Thompson. Uh, I mean, I love that he got his own sitcom. He's like, and I am not believing SNL. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. I will be there every week. Don't you worry. I love that. Now I understand. So now you're gonna now you're gonna send in the real. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, cast me at nbc.com <laughs> or cast me at snl at nbc.com. I always forget. That's my, that's send- my email. <laughs> 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 Don't send that, Lauren. Yeah. He makes you sign a contract. Please, please bleep more, that out. It's much worse than thirty years. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm in. You know. I did today receive a residual check for $1.21. So I do feel like I'm in a position to just, you know, do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. I got no worries over here. So how do you feel? I I guess at the end of the day, I do. I do deposit all of them. But like sometimes I'll get like a 25 cent one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'd rather pay 25 cents not to deposit this (laughs) than deposit this 25 cent check. There's nothing that makes me angry. I do not understand why in the year 2022, they can't just make direct deposits and never i never want to see a paper check for one cent right or have a one even have the one cent like anything under something just goes to like the group health fund or something like it just doesn't (laughs) or let my cents just collect in a little and send me a bigger check quarterly you're i don't know have i deposited a one cent check yes many times several times and they're almost always from the same project the one cent ones (laughs) you know my my biggest uh my biggest credit i think is like that broad city episode i did And it's funny, like, I still have this, like, I, I, I wish I could, like, it doesn't matter now, but it kind of bothers me. I got an email from Alana Glazer, like, uh, like a year or two after the, my episode, and was like, my producers have been trying to reach out to you, you've been ignoring them, but if you don't, like, she was, actually, I'm being mean, like, but she wasn't mean. She said, I really would love for you to sign this release for the DVD rights or whatever, but if you don't feel comfortable, then that's totally fine, but I'm reaching out to you just to ask personally. And I wrote back, I'm like, yes, absolutely, like, nobody has reached out to me. Nobody has reached out. Like none of these emails. Where are these emails? And like, I think she didn't believe me, right? Because I was just kind of like, right. But literally, like, <laughs> you know, well, Alana, if you're listening, nobody ever emailed me. Maybe they got my email address wrong. But like, they were emailing cast me at NBC. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they would have got me. <laughs> that's my email. Oh, all right. Well, Alex, it's been a delight. If if anyone does want to find you in, for for legitimate comedy <laughs> needs, well, where can they do that? Oh, you know, believe it or not, if you have like a comment that you're like, you want to reach out to me and you're just kind of like annoyed or whatever, you can send a message to me uh, at my email, uh, at my, my website, alexisperer.net, I think it is. And there's a comment thing or Ooh. message me thing and you can go ahead and write there. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Mr. Alexis Pereira. <laughs> and Stan Stans, you've got so many different ways to connect with us. Coming up on Saturday, March 26th, we're going to be at Pine Box Rock Shop in Brooklyn, 8.30 p.m., doing a screening party for our new web series, One Horse Town. And then April 13th at the early hour of 7 p.m., we're going to be live on stage at Caveat in Manhattan. But, you know, Stan Stans, we know some of you are far and away, so you can also catch the web series dropping on our website, WeStandTogether.com, coming in a couple weeks, and then you can live stream the live show at Caveat. There's so many options, and you can follow yeah. us at WeStandSocial on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere that you want to be. We're there, too. So slide into those DMs and say, what's up? I think this is your year, you guys. Like, 2021. <laughs> this is 100%. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, uh... Also, um, we signed a 30 year contract. We signed a 30 year contract. <laughs> also, just going to say this too. Um, 
listeners, I did once again reach out to Joshua Jackson's team to see if he's available to come to the show. I haven't heard back. So we haven't heard. If back. you were a friend, know how to get get him. Uh, just let me know. Just always just always putting that out there. All right. So DM us at We Stand Social. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> bye, Stan Stans. Later. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.